This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Home Affairs is busy with um, the the huge conversations that's happening in the country around uh, all sorts of things around immigration, uh, refugees, asylum seekers, and all of that. So Home Affairs says a clear process has been created for people now born in South Africa to asylum seekers. So you've got to get that right. A clear process has been created for people who were born in South Africa to asylum seekers or refugee parents, who were born in South Africa to asylum seekers or refugee parents, which allows them to apply for naturalization after they turn 18. But they will have to prove that they know one, at least one of the official South African languages. Well, earlier in June, Home Affairs Minister Aaron Mozzoledi gazetted new regulations under the South African Citizenship Act, which of, deal, which of course deal with naturalization and the process of naturalization application, specifically for applicants born to asylum seekers and refugees. An application form is included now in, of course, those recu- regulations. Sia Goza is the spokesperson for the Department of Home Affairs. Sia, welcome to Power 98.7. Welcome to Power Perspective. How are you, Sia? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Denzel, and uh, uh, good evening to you and uh, your your listeners. I'm well, thanks. And uh, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm really, really good. See, see, so so gazetted new regulations, right? Um, and 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 it's all under the South African Citizenship Act. So so, in as much as we talk about a clear process, um, it's for people born in South Africa to asylum seekers and and refugee parents. So it's the offspring of people of of asylum seekers and refugee parents. Am I right? It's it's the children of that particular community. Yes, uh, indeed, uh, that that is correct. Uh, right. These regulations uh, provide uh, for basically clarify mm. uh, the process for people who qualif- uh, who are qualifying, and uh, the two categories: uh, people uh, or rather children yeah. of uh, asylum seekers or yeah. children of, um, of, of of refugees of refugee parents. Let, yeah. let no, me let sorry. me just let me okay. just have an understanding and 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 I want to dissect it as we go along <laughs> Sia and do, does it does it engage a process only when they become 18 uh at 18 yeah. uh, or rather when they reach the age of 18 yeah. that is when they can then qualify uh to 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 apply for uh for, for citizenship sure. that is uh, uh, that that is the requirement uh, uh sorry that is the provision that is there in the in the citizenship act yeah so what was happening before before june 12 when yeah. the minister uh signed the uh, the regulations is mm. that people will then need uh, to uh, to to submit an affidavit mm. um, to 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 support their application. Yeah. What the regulations do, amongst other things, is to provide a standardized form that yeah. uh, everyone who qualifies would then need to fill, so that everyone knows uh, what is it that uh, the kind of information that we are we are looking for. Mm. Uh, when they are making that application again, mm. it is for people who were born of uh, asylum seekers or refugees mm. and mm. people who grew up in the country mm. and who would be 
18 years and older and who want to be citizens of South Africa. That is correct, yes. Before the age of 18, the status of that particular individual? Uh, they would then uh, assume the status of their parents. Okay. So, 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 so uh, children of uh, refugees, they are also refugees. And mm. children of asylum seekers, they are uh, asylum seekers mm. until they turn 18. Mm. And if they choose to, yeah. uh, apply for their own uh, standalone status. In any event, mm. um, if, 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 if the child turns 18, when, rather when they, turn, when they turn 18, yeah. We then grant them their status as uh, individuals. Yeah. So, um, so, but the status will still be linked to the parent. Yeah, yeah. So you become an individual in essence as 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 a grown up, but your status is still linked to the parent when you when you turn eighteen. So, so, so it's a choice after eighteen years, if you are the offspring of an asylum seeker or a refugee parent, to then have an opportunity to apply for citizenship, which is called naturalization. Yes, that, that is what the, uh, the law provides. Uh, as I'm saying, it is something that was happening yeah. already. Yeah. Uh, the major difference now is that we have simplified and, uh, yeah. and uh, standardized the, the manner in which uh, that process can then uh, unfold. Mm. Basically, the regulations are just giving effect uh, to, uh, to to the law mm. that we already have and uh, are also clarifying and simplifying the processes uh, that we need to follow mm. uh, should should a qualifying person uh, want to apply for citizenship. Mm. And and those particular documentation now uh, is is handed to you with all the other documentation uh, that that now comes. So you you have now a full package of of requirements whereby uh, you need now to to understand what what particular documentation you 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 need to hand in. Um, and 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 one of the changes to this particular element is to have an understanding of a South African language. What why why would that be be an essential requirement for somebody who's applying for for citizenship in the country is it why why has it become an essential requirement and i presume that and and i ask the question in ignorance maybe that it might not have been a requirement before with all the documentation that you would have had to apply uh, apply and and the affidavit that you would have had to you know attach in supporting your your argument is is the language requirement a pretty new requirement as of June? Um, uh, and, and this is now going forward that you have to understand or be able to write and speak a South African language. Um, let, let me, let's just paint the picture of the person who qualifies to apply. First. Yeah. This is someone who has grown in South Africa for 18 years. Yes. And 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 I asked the question Sia because of exactly what you're going to what you're going to um uh, illustrate now because someone who would have been born here because part of the documentation that you have to hand in is a copy of your proof of birth from the health facilities, original copies of the parents' asylum-seeking visa or refugee status, a school report even, you know, from the principal uh, registered from grade grade one and proof of residence. And so I'm assuming that that person would have completed the schooling system in this particular country and would be knowledgeable anyway in a particular language. That's, that is correct. That is correct. And that is precisely the, the reason we have all of those uh, requirements set out uh, in the in the regulations because mm. 
we want to make sure that people who come forward to apply mm. are people who are indeed uh, uh-huh. the, who, who they say they are. Okay. And there are people who 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 identify and also want to uh, to, ident- to be identified with other South Africans. So, if you if you were born here, yeah, you your your parents ought to have registered you within the first 30 days as is required for uh, for, uh, for all South Africans uh, mm. who are uh, or rather for all children born in South Africa mm. but within 30 days uh, you must be registered and uh, have a birth uh, certificate in the case of a child of a refugee or of a of a of a asylum seeker they then get uh, what is called a notice of birth which is the document that you will then require when uh, someone makes uh, the application if you attended the uh, church or cultural organizations, mm. you also want uh, records of you when you registered. Mm. Uh, and of course, uh, the copies that you referred to here, mm. which would be your school uh, your, your school uh, documents. It is inconceivable yeah. that you would go through the South African schooling system mm. and still end up uh, without knowing or understanding uh, any of the South African languages. Sure. So, so in essence, it's to close. It's to it's to to end potential corruption that could that could emerge in that particular space because if somebody were talking and sitting across the the table from me and speaking in french um and 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 needing to translate uh, I would assume that the person has not gone through the South African system, and 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 a few red flags would go up. Um, it's 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 to it's to eliminate that. Yes, it is to to, to eliminate that. Uh, it is to make sure that uh, we actually get to to process applications of people who are qualifying uh, to uh, to to make those kind of applications as is provided for in our laws. Mm. So if you are French speaking, mm. uh, you may be French speaking because uh, you and your family are speaking French when yeah. you are when mm. you are home. But when you went to school, when yeah. you did go to the cultural uh, activities, mm. you most likely would have been able to speak, or rather you would be communicating in another uh, language, which mm. would be one of the South African languages. Mm. Uh, South African languages. So we want proof that you are able indeed to communicate and converse in the language, in any one of the languages. We are not prescribing. Uh, South Africa has got uh, 12 languages at the moment, so mm. you can you are free to use any one of those uh, to to then uh, demonstrate your yeah. abilities. Yeah. yeah, I was just about to ask, it doesn't really matter what language you then choose. Um, you, you could choose any particular language to demonstrate uh, that you were fluent in one of the official languages in South Africa. Um, with, with language that is fluent across borders, um, how, how, do you, how do you begin to begin to make a determination? Would the other documentation begin to determine that particular space? Because language, you know, is not restricted to, 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 to borders. English, for example, is, is a universal language in, in the world. So if I went to Zimbabwe, Botswana, you know, Mozambique or whatever, somebody would be able to speak, you know, potentially speak English and or, you know, any of the other South African languages in the South African region. Would the other documentation then in essence become more important in that particular space rather than the language requirement one? So, so they begin to balance themselves out. Yes, uh, we, we, we require all of those documents, plus uh, the proof uh, of the ability to to converse and communicate in one of the South African languages. Mm. And when the people are dedicating uh, the application, they mm. will consider all of those documents, plus 
the outcomes of the of, of the of the test that uh, would have been uh, conducted uh, during the application process. Mm. So ev- so every single aspect that has been listed uh, in the law mm. is a requirement and is considered, and uh, they are all equally important. Mm. And and we're talking about let, let's understand this, Sia. We're talking about an administrative process because an asylum seeker would have been given documentation that requires them to live then in the country. A refugee would also then have the the necessary documentation to, to live in the country for periods that extend 18 years. You, you would obviously have your refugee status, and that would be a permanent refugee status. You would have your asylum-seeking status, and that would be permanent asylum-seeking status. What we're saying is here is that those particular people, the the children of those particular people, to bring them into the system, this now is part of that requirement that was there in the, in the first place. We're just formalizing it, right? Uh, yes, that 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 is uh, that is your, your interpretation is correct. Yeah. But let me uh, hasten to indicate that uh, both of those documents are not permanent. The status of uh, refugees is not a permanent uh, status. Okay. Um, okay. If I if I were to make an example, we did have um, p- uh, people who had uh, refugee status who were coming in from uh, from Angola. Okay. The United Nations declared that uh, Angola is no longer there's no there's no longer war in mm. Angola, and the uh, mm. people uh, who came from there were free to return to their uh, to their home country. Mm. As a result of that, uh, we were able to then afford people an opportunity to uh, to go back uh, home mm. and relinquish their refugee status. Mm. Um, if you're an asylum seeker, mm. what it means is that you are in the process of moving from someone who well you still need international protection you are mm. moving from your from the status of your of your home country mm. towards a refugee status so mm. you are an asylum seeker whilst the south african government is still determining whether or not you qualify for the refugee status so both of those uh, of those uh, statuses are not permanent they are subject to how long and when the department uh, finalizes the process in those applications mm. and of course if the united if the circumstances that made you a refugee in the first place have mm. changed when those circumstances change then the status as well uh, can be taken back sure and and that leads me to 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 the next to the next question Sia, or the next point um and 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 i think you know your you, the way you've answered it then leads me leads me to that particular question asylum seeking as i understood it is the way you've 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 described it and refugee refugee status also in the way you described it the 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 permanency of that uh was was linked to this particular date of then 18 years and and longer what is the necessary then reasoning of somebody who then would have an asylum-seeking status and a refugee status that is longer than 18 years, where is where where something in their country would not have changed an administration or you know a particular war or or an economic status that would have changed. Um, what then would be the necessary requirement for someone to get a an asylum-seeker status or a refugee status? That would be, in essence, longer than 18 years, so that that particular person, that particular offspring, can then 
you know, apply for for a citizenship in 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 any way. What what are, what are, what are the reasoning do do you know for asylum seeking and refugee status to be longer than 18 years because in that particular regard we're assuming that there are people who would be in the country on those particular documentations who would be here for 18 years and longer than if there isn't a requirement for an offspring then to to apply for for to, for citizenship okay yeah um just to be to be clear again mm. when the offspring applies Right. Yeah. They are applying, uh, and we requiring the documents of their parents, yes. not their documents. Yeah. It's uh, the the documents of no, their parents. No, no, sure. So, yes. So it would have been the parents. Yeah. Who would have been here for 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 those periods? Yes. And and yeah. which, which now, would have been here for eighteen years in essence. Yes. Yeah. Now, in in relation to uh, to the refugee status, if the conditions that made you a refugee, that that made you to seek international protection in the mm. first place, have mm. not changed. Then you will remain a refugee. But we, we, we continuously look and review to see if everyone who's on the refugee register still mm. qualifies uh, to, uh, to to remain there. Mm. So it does happen, and it, and we do have uh, refugees that have been here for the for that uh, period of eighteen that have been here legally. Mm. For those uh, eighteen years or longer. Mm. Now, you you may recall that uh, the minister and the department have, on several occasions, indicated that we do have a backlog on the asylum uh, seeker sure. program. Okay. And we even have a partnership with the United Nations uh, to clear that backlog. Mm. Uh, the minister, I think, uh, he has uh, once, uh, at least once, on your program, explained that mm. the refugee system. When we started it, uh, the, had, we had uh, had a capacity of dealing with low numbers of applicants. Mm. Uh, and, uh, initially, we were looking at around uh, 13,000 applications. Yeah. And around about uh, 2006, 2007, when we had the global uh, financial meltdown, we then had an avalanche of people where those numbers uh, went up to more than 200,000. Mm. So that is the backlog that we are trying to, to, to deal with. Um, in fact, it went up to more than 200 uh, for two years in a row, meaning that uh, a system that was designed to process comfortably mm. applications uh, up to 50,000 mm. was now settled with having to, uh, to, uh, to process applications that were 10 times uh, more than that. Mm. So we then have this program that we are currently implementing with the United Nations to clear this uh, this backlog. Sure. So, so, so in essence, a lot of a lot of it could have been uh, just in in regards to the backlog, and not necessarily uh, that things haven't changed in 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 their country. Things might have changed in their country some time back, but but South Africa having to deal with with the backlog as well, and 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 hence that uh, eighteen year. Um, uh, issue, but 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 in essence, you know, if 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 my life were in danger and 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 I were a a, a political refugee in essence, and things didn't change in that particular country, and if I returned to that country, um, my life would still be in danger. That would apply, right? Yes, that that would apply. Then your status will uh, will, uh, will absolutely. So a lot of the refugees that are here. Uh, they are here precisely because of what you've just uh, explained. Yeah. yeah. You, you um, internationally, you qualify for international protection if you are persecuted personally 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that persecution can either be for political reasons, it can be on uh, religious grounds, it could be on, uh, on on gender, or if you are running away from natural disasters. So, um, if uh, or if you are if or if you are a child of someone who is running away from persecution. So mm. those are the mm. conditions that would uh, en- uh, enable someone to qualify for the refugee uh, status. Mm. But you qualify for the status after you've made the application. And mm. once you, whilst you're still uh, an applicant and we have not made a determination, you are an, uh, an asylum seeker. Sure. Just, just, just branching out and and something that's 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 um, uh, clo- close to this particular aspect. In May, the minister proposed the establishment of a specialised court to deal with immigration in South Africa. Sia, can you elaborate on that, or is that still, you know, just a, a, a proposal in essence to to deal with to deal with immigration issues in South Africa? Well, well, that is just one aspect of the wholesale um, yeah. recommendations. Because uh, the minister has indicated that uh, we do need to to, to revise mm. and uh, and modernize mm. the citizenship act that we're talking about now. Yeah, with the refugee act because the citizenship act uh, came into effect in uh, 1995. Yeah, 1995, yes. the refugee act in in 1998, and then the you've also got the is, yeah the refugee act is 1998, and you've got the immigration act of 2002, and those all become obsolete, right? Yes, uh, they, they they are absolute, and uh, at the time they came into effect, the world was completely different. Sure, uh, we were we were try- starting to see uh, democracy taking hold uh, throughout uh, the continent. Mm. Um, countries were going on regular elections, and uh, pre- and uh, in countries were also limiting the terms of their of their presidency. Um, mm. So it was a completely different world. We were not anticipating that uh, all of a sudden we will have this uh, major pull southwards, uh, people wanting to leave their countries to come uh, to come south. Mm. Because of that, we are now saying, let us come up with uh, with the kind of laws that reflect where we are mm. and where we think the world in South Africa would be in the you know, in in, uh, in the next uh, few years. Mm. So 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 that process. Uh, we are still uh, at the initial phases of uh, yeah. of starting it, and we will go out uh, and uh, do public consultations. So mm. uh, citizens will have an opportunity to to comment and give us their views on how they want uh, that new um, uh, regime of immigration uh, and international protection laws mm. should look like. Mm. The, the 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 immigration citizenship and refugee protection policy. Um, is is that completed or is that what we're talking about? Because that that needs to be gazetted for public comment, right? Yes, no, no, no. That that is what we uh, we are talking about. Sure. We are still at the at the initial phases of um, of doing that. And of course, what you asked me earlier on mm. about the immigration courts, it is mm. part and and yeah. parcel of the of the proposals that are contained in there. So people will have an opportunity to comment and give us direction even on those kind of proposals. Sure. See, while I've got you, I'm going to ask you about ZDP, but 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 I'm going to. Uh, it, it'll be the last question for the evening because I have to move on to the next one. Um, you know, I I saw a report that said you you you're deploying more officials. Uh, to to in extent uh, to 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 work on these particular aspects of the extension of the ZDP uh, permits and more more officials being deployed, 
because uh, from what I was reading, 1,000 to 1,500 visa waiver applications are made daily. Is that... Is 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 that a reasonable number? Is where where does that particular number come from, or is that what you're aware of? That a thousand to one thousand five hundred visa or waiver applications around the ZDP permits, you know, are are being made daily, and and hence the the more officials being deployed to that particular space. Okay. Uh, well, the the matter, as you would know, is still uh, in court, so I will be very cautious in terms of what is it that uh, we can communicate. Sure. Safe to say that the number that you are talking about is the number that uh, the minister looked at and considered when he made the decision uh, to uh, to grant the, the the extension for mm. for another uh, for another six months. Okay. Now, okay. now this this is what we are doing uh, in, in, in internally uh, in the department to try and make sure that we are able to process the applications that are coming in. Mm. We have a, a team. Uh, rather teams that are looking at, uh, at uh, receiving the application. Yeah. Then there is another team that is looking at uh, at whether or not uh, people do require the, the 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 exemptions that you are referring to. Yeah. The exemption in this case is a, is a, is a, is an exemption from uh, having to go to the Department of Labor to apply for a, a certificate an exemption a certificate. So now what it basically means is that. The minister says you can come and apply for any of the regular 17 permits yeah. without having to prove uh, that uh, you are the only person who, or that no South African can uh, can do the job. Mm. Right now, when you, when you're looking at the fact that uh, we are receiving an average uh, 1,500 uh, permits, mm. sorry, applications a a day. Yeah, you do need to increase the capacity to be able to process and clear. Uh, those applications before uh, it's uh, before before uh, rather timely so that people can then apply mm. and uh, we avoid the situation where we're going to end up uh, having to look at other means except finalizing those applications we want to finalize the applications so we're increasing the capacity because we want to make sure that uh, all of the applications are processed and finalized sure Sir Goza, thank you so much. Spokesperson for the Department of Home Affairs uh, talking to us, of course, about, uh, you know, uh, that particular requirement for language capacity and then also just dealing with some of the other issues that Home Affairs is dealing with as well. Thank you so much, Brut, for coming on to Power Perspective tonight. Appreciate it always. All right. No, thank you very much, man. Sir Goza, of course, is the spokesperson of the Department of Home Affairs. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.